My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. And as a church, these last couple of weeks, we've entered into this thing called the Legacy Project. Pastor John explained that a little bit to you earlier. My job today is to try to put, uh, we're trying to frame the Legacy Project in, with a, in a biblical perspective, to raise some of the issues related to this so that you have an understanding biblically of <clears throat> what this project is really all about. So today, that's what I'm going to try to do from the book of Jonah. We're going to take a look at Jonah. If you have that, uh, find that in your Bible. It's a very short little Old Testament book or on your Bible app. And I was thinking about Jonah, <clears throat> thinking about this and wondering, like, do you ever have this imagination where you see yourself as the hero in a movie? Like you're the one that the world turns to, right? That, that, that someone comes to you with a mission. And you can, uh, you can say, man, I'm going to change the world, right? I'm going to change the script of this movie, right? No. Not an Avengers movie maybe, right? But just anything, that, anything where you have a calling, where you have a mission. What if God was making that movie and he put you in the lead, right? What if God said, I come to you and he says, I have a plan for you and I'm going to use you to change the world, how would you respond to that? Most of us say, yes, I want to be the hero, you know. But I think sometimes we give ourselves maybe a little more, more credit than we deserve. If you look at the Bible, you see all kinds of people that God came to them in that very same way, said, I have a mission for you, and they said, no. It's e so easy to be reluctant and to be reticent about. So Moses, for example, God said, I'm going to call you and I'm going to use you to bring the people out of Israel, of Israel out of slavery. And Moses said, wait. Can you please find somebody else? I don't speak very well. And Moses, uh, God came to Gideon and said, I, I want you to deliver the people from these foreign powers. And he says, whoa, wait a second, God. Um, he, he didn't have courage, so he, he lacked courage to say yes to God. And in that same category is this guy named Jonah. Now Jonah, to say that he was reluctant to fulfill God's mission for his life, that would be a, a vast understatement. Jonah went out of his way, took great pains to avoid what God wanted him to do. And so we look at Jonah, we can see maybe a little bit of ourselves in him, and as we see how God brought redemptive ac action out of Jonah's life, maybe we can see some of ourselves in him as well. And so let's take a look. In Jonah chapter 1, we'll set the stage. Here, here's how the, the, the book begins. It tells us what happened. The, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. He's a prophet. God says, get up and go do what prophets do, right? Go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Oops, sorry. Okay, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Okay, so you get the picture. God says, Jonah, I've got a calling for you. I've got something I want you to do. I want you to go east. And Jonah went down and bought the very first ticket he could get on the first ship going west. Ever done that in our life? Maybe we haven't fled away from God. Maybe we haven't like said, God, no, uh, I'm just going to try to get out of this, the situation by going somewhere else. But we have our own ways of running from God, right? Maybe we build a wall and say, God, you can come this far, but you can't come over here. I'm here and you're there. And we, we build a little place where we say, God, 
you're welcome in all of my life, but you're not welcome here, in this section here. So we can run away from God sometimes a little bit too. And so as we look at, at Jonah and what happened with him, um, it, it's not that hard to see ourselves in him. And so I want to look at, at four different things we learn from this story that might apply to us as well. So first of all, we learn <clears throat> Jonah had a problem with God, right, and, and the job God asked him to do. So Jonah took off. He said, man, God, your plan, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to go do something else. And it's easy to be hard on him looking at it from this perspective uh, hundreds of years later. But, um, it, you know, we have also got a commission that God has given us, that Jesus has said to us. Now, I can understand why Jonah would have felt like that was something that he didn't want to do because the Assyrians were cruel. They were powerful. They were, they were a, a wicked nation, as the verse said, as God said. And so the Assyrians were hated and feared by the Jews. And so it's easy to see how Jonah would have wanted to not go there. He had a couple reasons. Like, number one, he says, God, you're going to send me there to pronounce judgment on them, but what if they change their mind? I don't think they, he would have said, I don't think they deserve a second chance. Don't send a, a warning, just go wipe them out. In Jonah's mind, that would have been the right thing to do. And, and then, of course, he had his own personal fear that if he showed up at that place, that they would just, that's not a message that anybody wants to hear, right? That they would just kill him. That was their reputation. And so he took off the other direction. And again, I don't, I don't want to be too hard on him because, again, we have this message that God has given us uh, to tell to the world. Jesus has said that if you belong to me, he said it in a number of different ways, in a number of different places in the Bible. He said, I've got a job for you to do. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. And what that word means is just to, to help other people come to follow Jesus. And they grow in their faith, and then they can come help other people come to follow Jesus too. And on it goes. So he says, I want you to go make disciples. And he's called us to take this message to go to the world that may not want to hear what we have to say and to talk to them honestly about sin and what it's wrong with, with, um, with sin and why we're wrong with God, but also to offer them hope and the prospect of God's love and, and, and uh, model that all to them. But it's not something the world always wants to hear. And so it's easy for us to go, well, hmm, I don't know if I buy into that plan, God. I don't know, at least if it's buy into it for me, it's great for somebody else. But for me, I'm just going to, like, run away. But at Alpine Church, we, we believe that this is really important, and, and that's because it comes from the lips of Jesus himself. <clears throat> Sorry, there's a button here that's too sensitive. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, you know, if you follow me, this is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. Help them follow me. Help them uh, identify with me. Okay, this is my calling for you. This is the, the purpose I have for you. So when we think about Jonah and, and how he ran from his calling, one of the things that I think that's helpful for us to understand with our calling is that at the heart of it, Jonah was not just running away from God's assignment for him or God's plan for him. His problem wasn't just with the mission God gave him to do, but if you peel away the layers, you realize that Jonah's problem really was with God himself. 
See, he, he didn't really trust that God knew the best thing to do. Didn't really trust God's wisdom. He said, God, you know, that doesn't seem like a very good idea. He didn't really trust in God's care and God's provision for him or that God would protect him. Really, that God's plan was going to be best for him. And if he had trusted God, he wouldn't have run like that. And so, instead he trusted in himself and in in what he thought was best and in his own ideas and in his own purpose in his life. And so, that's why he ran. And so, if you think about it, Jonah is us and we're Jonah in in some ways. Like, Like both of us, both Jonah and us as God's people, both of us have been given this mission to go out into the world that may not always welcome our message. And both Jonah and us, you know, have... um, feel inadequate and imperfect and like this is an impossible job to do sometimes. And both Jonah and us may have a problem with trusting God, that this is really, it's going to be okay because if God said it is, then then it's really his best for us. And so that's why Jonah ran away from God. Now, the second thing we learn here is that when you do that, you may encounter a storm. This is what happens in the story that Jonah... When he got in that boat going west, he thought he was escaping danger, but tragically and ironically, he was heading straight into danger. Why? Because God had something he was working on in Jonah's life. And they got out on the, <clears throat> on the ocean, the Mediterranean Sea, and they're headed west. Up comes this fierce, life-threatening storm, okay? And so... Um, Let me tell you the story. It's verses 4 through 12 of chapter 1. I'm just going to give you the recap of that. And so this storm comes. God allows it in Jonah's life, not because God is trying to punish him or destroy him, but God wants to steer him back to what his purpose is for his life. God, It's an act of of God's mercy to steer Jonah back, to, to wake him up and get his attention and to get him to start becoming honest with himself. And so, this storm arises, it's so fierce that these veteran sailors fear for their lives, they start throwing valuable cargo overboard because they know that they won't be able to stay afloat if they don't, and then they're starting to go like, what in the world, trying to figure out what's going on, and so they, all of them have different gods in the different ancient nations, they're all calling out to their gods and asking for help, and the storm gets worse and worse, and finally, eventually, they go, we got to do something about this. Somebody on this boat, the gods are mad at them, so they took, they took loss. They cast loss to figure out who it was. Now, that's a, a pagan superstition, but God allowed that to happen to get Jonah into the spotlight, and the lot fell on Jonah. The finger pointed right at Jonah, and Jonah finally goes, okay, I guess you got me. <laughs> he owned up, and he told the sailors, yeah, it, I'm the problem. I'm the reason for the storm. I'm running away from God. And he said, look, here's the thing. If you just throw me overboard then the rest of you will be safe. It's between me and God. Just throw me overboard and you'll be fine. And so God allowed that storm. If you are running away from God and running away from God's purpose in your life, His plans for you, then watch out. Watch out. Now, I'm not saying every hard thing that happens in life is, means that you're running from God. 
Because sometimes life is just life, right? Life can be just hard. Sometimes God uses hard things in life for other things, other purposes in our lives as well. But sometimes he will allow those storms to get our attention and to steer us back toward his purpose in our life when we're running away from him. And so that's what he did with Jonah. And then to take it one step further, the next thing we see following up on that is sometimes God has to bring a severe mercy into our lives. Now that phrase, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? You have severity and mercy don't seem like they go together. And what I mean by a severe mercy is a time when God allows us to go through something really hard, something painful that we would never have chosen for ourselves. And it's a mercy because going through that hard thing prevents us maybe from worse consequences of our choices that we would have made. That hard thing maybe brings healing and and a change of direction into our life, kind of like having a surgery, right? You have a radical surgery. If you have cancer, nobody wants to go through a surgery, but the surgery has an effect that's beneficial and helpful to us. And so it's a, by definition, it's a severe mercy. And so sometimes we can get so selfish and self-centered and so um, oriented around ourselves instead of God that God will allow something in our lives because we have to be broken sometimes before we can be blessed. We have to go down sometimes before we can be lifted up. And that's what's happening in Jonah's life. So they throw him overboard. That's severe. But God, in his mercy, preserves his life. He brings along a fish that swallows Jonah. Now, this is not a whale. It's not monstro, okay? It's, um, there are examples in maritime history of, of things like this happening. So it's not just a made-up story either. But God, in his mercy, puts Jonah in this fish. And, and there it says in chapter 2, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. So God allows this severe mercy in Jonah's life to try to bring an end to his self-sufficiency and his stubbornness and his autonomy from God and his idea that he could just do it however he wanted to do it. And God did that in the lives of other people too. He did it in Abraham. He did it in the life of Jacob and Bible characters like David, Elijah, like Peter. And he'll do it in our lives if that's what it takes to bring us back and restore us to him again. He didn't do it because he was being cruel or trying to destroy Jonah or punish him, but he did it out of mercy to bring him back Again, and so you see it's only when Jonah hits bottom, literally the bottom of the ocean, that he comes to the end of himself and the end of his plans and the end of his strategies for life and his will, and he begins to look up. Instead, now running from God, he now turns toward God. In his extremity, in his difficulty, he turns toward God. He's reaching out to God, crying out to God. He realizes now ultimately that God is the one who can save him. That's what a severe mercy is, is all about. And actually, it reminds me of something that Jesus said that could easily go in this story. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. 
See, if we're only trusting in ourselves and we're clinging to this version of life that we've defined, that we think life should mean, then we're going to end up messing it all up and lose it all anyway. And Jesus says, no, if you trust in me and you trust your whole life to me and you let go of your version of the way life should be and take my version instead, then you're going to find the satisfaction and the meaning that you've really been desiring in life all along. It's like all of us have to come to this place at some point in our life where we acknowledge that we've been rebellious, that we've been going our own way, that we are sinners. We come to that place where we acknowledge that we don't have what it takes to make God pleased, you know, to, to be worthy before God. And we come to that place where we go like, all I have is need, God, and I, and I turn to you and look to you to meet my need, to be everything that I can't be. And that's when God intervenes. That's when God becomes our Savior. Have you been in that place? In, in that severe mercy, that's where Jonah realized that God's plans really were best, that Jonah really did deserve what was happening in his life. But that's where he also realized that God is a God of grace and that God would work with him and restore him whether he deserved it or not. And then <clears throat> it's kind of a, a happy ending in a way. Because the last thing we see is that from Jonah's life is that the best life you will ever live is the one God has for you. The life that's lived in step with God and in step with his purpose and you're fulfilling his calling and mission in your life, even if it's something that's scary, even if it's something that's uncomfortable or seems impossible, that's the best kind of life that we could have. Do you believe that? Well, Jonah did not believe it, right? If he believed it, he wouldn't have ran away from God. But he came to believe it. God worked in his life in a way that he was convinced. God got his attention. And eventually he acted like he believed that. And you see that in verse 9 where he says, But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So Jonah says, look, I'm going to fulfill my vows. I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to be the prophet that you called me to be. I'm going to go fulfill what you ask of me. And he went, he went off to Nineveh. After he got back to shore and I guess put himself back together again a little bit, he went off to Nineveh. And there he proclaimed the message that God gave him to proclaim, to calling these wicked people to repentance and warning them about God's impending judgment. And, and guess what? They didn't kill him. In fact, much to Jonah's surprise, the whole city listened to what he had to say. They were convicted by his message, and all of them, from the king all the way down to the lowliest people in the city, all of them turned from their wickedness and turned to God. An amazing episode of spiritual transformation. Now, we know in Assyria that it didn't last, but it happened. And so Jonah learned that God can be trusted. He learned that God is faithful. That when God gives us an assignment that it's really the best life that we could live to go and live in, in fulfillment of that assignment. And so I don't know what you know, the issues are for you. I don't know what you've been maybe reluctant about to say yes to God or what area in your life you've sealed off from God or you've been running away from God. I, just, I know he's going to talk to you about that today, but what I want to do in the last couple of minutes is 
connect this to the legacy project as, an, as a one way to think about an application of this. Because, again, Jesus has given all of us as his people this mission, this mission to make disciples in our world. And we own that at Alpine Church. That's what we're about at Alpine Church. And that's what, that's what the legacy project is about. That's why we always emphasize mentoring relationships, one-on-one discipling, or discipling your kids in your home, or in small groups, or in ministry teams. And we've created a resource at PursueGod.org that makes it simple for a person to fulfill that commission in the lives of somebody else. So this is what we're about at Alpine Church. This is what the Legacy Project is about. It's about God's love for people and people's eternal destiny being at stake. Now, on one level, it's about a building. But on a much deeper level, it's so much more than that. It's our recognition in this particular culture that we live in that somehow, for whatever reason, a building has significance. And a building is a place where where people will come and where ministry can take place. Now, we know that there's a lot of things going on, a lot of needs all throughout northern Utah. And there's a lot of places where God has given Alpine Church some, some opportunity and it's not even about Alpine Church, it's about the kingdom of God and what's our role in, in God's kingdom in Utah. And right now, the opportunity and the need is the, probably the most focused for us in the city of Syracuse. Now, that's a long way from here, but let me just tell you a little bit about Syracuse. Syracuse is one of the most rapidly growing cities in all of Utah, certainly in Davis County. Um, it's supposed to double in the next generation. And, and that could just explode even more so because they're building the legacy highway right through the heart of Syracuse City. It, be, it could become just really connected to Salt Lake and, and it could become a place where it, that just explodes in population. But Syracuse, 30,000 people right now. There's three churches in Syracuse, three Christian churches in Syracuse. Okay, actually there's only two because one of them just opened about two months ago. So it's a brand new little church plant. And one of the three just closed about two months ago. It's struggling along for the last decade, and finally they, they just closed their doors. The other one is Alpine Church Syracuse Campus, which opened in December of uh, 2017, so just under two years old. So really, there's really only at this point two Christian churches in a city of 30,000 people. If you were to take any city of 30,000 people that's rapidly growing in the whole country of America and say there's only two Christian churches there, you'd go, what in the world is wrong? There's this, this, this incredible need. And if you look at other places like the city of Dalton, Georgia, 33,000 people, there's 50 churches in Dalton, Georgia. You take Laguna Hills, California, 29,700 people. Within a four-mile radius, there's over 50 churches. And then there's Syracuse, Utah. And so that's where God is working right now through Alpine Church. And again, just to remind you, it's about a building, but it's not about a building. It's really about lives of people. It's about the impact that can have when someone invites someone else to, become, to come to worship, to come hear the Word of God. It's about the impact that we can have when we have a presence in a community like this. And to remind us of that, we've made a video that's just a story. And it's in fact, it's a story of someone from here in Logan, someone that you'll recognize, but as they tell their story, this is the same story is being told at every campus every week. Wherever I go, 
week by week, I'm hearing these same stories all throughout Alpine Church. I just want to remind you what this is really all about. So let's take a look at this. Amen. That's what it's about. That's what this project is about. That's what our ministry is about. We have this calling to help people pursue God. And we're creating the tools in which to do that. So here's what we're asking you to do as part of this campaign. We're asking this really of everyone who attends all of our campuses, all nine of our campuses, all across Utah. We're asking you, number one, to pray. And so we have this, this prayer card that Sally and I started this on Sunday. And it's like 40, it's supposed to be 40 days of prayer. There's some break days in there, so it adds up to some more than that. But you don't have to do it like in 40 consecutive days. Just, just start in on it and, and, and work on it. And grow in your relationship with God through prayer. We, we have to have God at work. And the, the second thing we want to ask every person at every Alpine camp to do is to give. To give something financially. To give something generous and sacrificial toward this project. And so I know if you were here last week, some of you heard us say give, and you immediately started running from God. Okay, God says go east, and you started going west on this particular. In our culture today, this is a sensitive issue. And, and so I just want to encourage you, don't run from God if that's what he's telling you to do. So what we want to do is we're going to ask you to just talk to God. Nobody's going to tell you what to give or how much to give, but we want you to talk to God about that. Pray about it as a family. And as he leads you, then, then embrace what he calls you to do. And what we're asking, we're praying for, for all of our campuses outside of Syracuse, we're praying for a one-time uh, amount to be given of $400,000 uh, just this month. And then we're going to combine that with what we've already been putting away in savings to give the Syracuse campus a boost, to give them, a, to launch them into this thing, because we're asking a lot more from them. We're asking the people who go to the Syracuse campus to commit themselves over a three-year period to raise a million dollars for this. And so we want to encourage them and give them a launch, you know, by, by what we can do at the rest of these campuses. So, so there's a commitment card that you found in your packet on your seat, and we're asking you to Take that home, pray about this, fill it out, bring it back next Sunday. Next Sunday is the target Sunday, the victory Sunday, or however you want to call it. They were saying, bring this back, bring this back with your gift. Now, I know that if you have some, some things to arrange or some, something you, that God leads you to sell or, or something like that, then that, you may not be able to bring that back next Sunday. But at least bring this and so that we know kind of what God is doing, how he's working in everybody's life. And then, and then follow through when you get a chance to do that. Um, Sally and I have made our commitment, and we've already given most of our gift. We're not quite there yet. We will be by next Sunday. And all the leaders and pastors at Alpine are in on this. We're all, we're all in on this. We're not asking you to do anything that, that we're not willing to do uh, as well. So take this home, pray about it, Bring it back next Sunday. See how, see how God will work. Now, again, I know there, that's a long way from here. But I want you to remember this bigger picture that really at Alpine, we're, we're just one church. We're one church. We meet in many different locations, but we're one church. And when one campus wins, all the campuses win. It's not about my campus or yours. It's not even about Alpine, but it's about the kingdom of God. And so we're, this is a win for, for everybody, all of God's people in Utah, actually, this is a win. 
And, and at Alpine, because we work together in teamwork like this, every campus has benefited at some point from the sacrifice of other campuses. And every campus will benefit at some point in the future from the sacrifice of other campuses. So we're, we're in this together. And that's why we can, we can come to you and ask you just to talk to God about what he wants you to do and encourage you today from the story of Jonah that you can trust God for whatever he leads you to do. You can trust God if you follow through on what he leads you to do. Now, I can't imagine, I know, um, I know Mark and Shelley, you guys, I, I, you guys got to be really moved by looking what's happened in Sean and Delane's life, right? And when we see that happen in somebody's life and you had a part to play in it, well, what a great, what a great experience that is. What a great blessing that is. And there's things going to be happening at, this story is going to be repeated over and over and over again at Syracuse campus in the future. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to know about it. I'm sure in heaven you'll have an opportunity to know about it. And somebody from Syracuse, Utah comes up to you and says, you know, I came to faith. That building got built. Somebody invited me there. I heard that music. I heard that message. I surrendered my life to Jesus. Thank you for the part that you played in seeing that happen. Thank you for the gift that you gave. My kids came into kids' church. They had a place where they could learn and grow and be taught. Thank you for the part that you played. Let's see what God wants to do. Shall we pray? Father, thanks so much for your goodness and grace to us today. Thank you that you have lavished your love on us in so many ways. God, that you've been so merciful to us. You've given so generously to us through your Son. And thank you, Father, for all the benefits that we experience in Christ that somebody else paid for. This very building that we're sitting in right now. And so many things that somebody else paved the way ahead of us so that we could reap the benefits. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you for those people. We don't even know who they are, many of them. Thank you for the people, God, who nurtured us in faith, who invited us to church, who put up with our dumb questions and our rough edges. And thank you, God, for all those people who embodied Jesus and the love of Christ in our lives and helped us open our eyes. Thank you for the people who mentored us, who taught us to pray and, and read your word and who helped us through the rough spots in our lives. Thank you, God, for all the people. Thank you for the people who made generous financial gifts somewhere along the line that made our life in Christ possible today. And Father, I pray that you'd use us in that same way. Whatever it is, maybe, God, that we've, that we've sealed you out of, whatever it is that we're running from uh, you today, whatever plan or purpose that we've been reluctant to embrace, Father, we want to surrender to you today. We want your best for us. Whether it's part of the legacy project or something else you're doing in our lives, God, we surrender today and ask you to work powerfully through our commitment through our sacrifice to fulfill your mission to help this world pursue you. And we trust you with it. Empower us to do it. We pray in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen.